today we're going to journey back to a faithful day in aviation, September 11th, but not the September 11th that most people think of. This is 10 years prior to September 11th, 2001 of September 11th, 1991, when Continental Express Flight 2574 took to the skies carrying the hopes and dreams of passengers and crew. As the plane soared above the Texas landscape, little did they know their flight would soon turn into a heart-wrenching nightmare. In just a matter of moments, everything would change. With 14 souls on board, Flight 2574 bound to Houston, Texas from Laredo, Texas, a routine flight, but even ordinary flights can be plagued with extraordinary circumstances. A sudden loss of radio contact left air traffic controllers scrambling for answers, and a desperate search for aircraft commenced. Eventually, a crash site was discovered, revealing a tragic outcome with no survivors. The aftermath of this crash brought forth an extensive investigation as authorities sought to uncover truth behind the disaster. The findings not only shed light on the cause of the accident, but also sparked discussions about safety measures and the resilience of the aviation community. Join us as we honor the lives of those on Continental 2574 and we learn from the past to forge a safer and more secure future for air travel. Their stories and lessons from this tragedy serve as a powerful reminder that human cost of aviation and the unwavering dedication to improving safety standards. So fasten your seatbelts, dear listeners, as we embark on this solemn journey to understand the legacy of Flight 2574 and the event that forever etched itself into the annals of aviation history. Welcome to Destination Aviation. Welcome back to Destination Aviation. Hopefully you're hearing me better. I recently upgraded the microphone to a Syrian V2 Pro. We'll see how that works, but uh, seems to sound better on my end, which is good. I apologize if any of the previous videos were a little bit rough around the edges as I still get used to doing this. But uh, if you were in Oshkosh, hopefully you had fun. I did not get a chance to go up there this year. I did have another conference I needed to attend, which is an aviation conference and I don't know why anybody competes with Oshkosh, but uh, they decide to do that every year. So uh, unfortunately for yours truly, it was another year miss, but I am thinking next year I'm going to try to make my way up there. What I wanted to talk about for uh, this week's episode was what you heard at the beginning there, the Laredo incident. I actually worked in Laredo, Texas for a while, which is a border town in southern Texas. Airport sits actually nine miles from the border, and you know when I got down there, I did not know of this accident and was surprised actually to stumble really upon what had happened as I was doing some research into the airport. There is a little plaque, but it's buried. You know, it's it's interesting comparative to some other commercial aviation accidents, which really have kind of a front and center attention from the community. Uh, this one, not only was it hard for me to find, but people that had worked at the airport or in the area uh, in aviation did not have uh, really any recollection or knowledge that this accident ever happened, which is uh, really unique. Uh, you know, I would think that perhaps it was foreshadowed by the events on September 11th, but uh, as I said in the intro, that actually came 10 years later from this date. So surprising that, you know, the family members of this accident uh, didn't want to do something uh, to memorialize it further. You know, as we get into the events here, it didn't actually crash at the Laredo airport. It crashed between Laredo and Houston. So, uh, you know, maybe that has something to do with it. But as uh, I researched when I live in Texas and even for this podcast, there's there's nothing either in Houston that 
uh, truly memorializes this incident. So, uh, but it does have some twists and turns in it, as you'll find out as we go through uh, some of the details on it, um, adding to, you know, the initial mystery of it. Uh, you would have thought the attention it gained uh, during that time frame, uh, there would have been something. But uh, let's get into a little bit of the details here, uh, talk a little bit about Continental, and uh, kick this off. So as we talked about at the beginning of this episode, Continental Express Flight 2574 uh, was on a routine back and forth between Laredo, Texas to uh, Houston International Airport, I had departed Houston and landed in Laredo uh, and then was returning, uh, which is truly kind of what we have seen develop since deregulation in 1978 of the hub and spoke system. So uh, this was a feeder route into Houston uh, from Laredo, Texas. Uh, it was Flight itself was conducted with an Embraer 120. The Embraer 120 departed Laredo International Airport. At 9.09 a.m., after a normal takeoff, uh, the flight was assigned a cruise altitude flight level of 250 or 25,000 feet. Uh, then it was later reassigned by air traffic control, a flight level of 240. At 9.54, so about 45 minutes into this flight, Houston Center contacted Flight 2574 with a request to them to descend to 9,000 feet. At approximately 10.03, while descending through 11,500 feet, the aircraft literally disintegrated into the sky. Farmers on the ground thought they saw and heard an explosion in the sky, only to look up and see the Embraer 120 in pieces hurtling towards Earth. The G-forces were so impactful, it eventually caused both crew members to lose consciousness. It's estimated that the G-force was 3.3% seven five the times of force of gravity and it caused severe oscillations and crippled the aircraft the wreckage fell in southeast colorado county texas it exploded on impact seven miles from the southeast of eagle lake texas and 60 miles from downtown houston the texas department of public safety announced that rescue units had discovered no survivors the wreckage was spread over two to four square mile area. Some of the aircraft pieces fell into the Colorado River, including diamonds that were worth approximately $500,000, which is a value of $1.1 million in today's dollars. There also was a cartel member that was being transported on the aircraft to Houston, Texas, to testify as part of a investigation into the cartel. So immediately, with the reports from eyewitnesses of an explosion in the sky, one of the first thoughts that local media had was, did this aircraft uh, go down as a result of human interaction? Did somebody put something on the aircraft? Uh, did somebody board the aircraft with something that caused it to explode? Obviously, this is 1991, Lockerbie, Scotland. You know, memories are in everyone's head of what's happened in aviation. So not unheard of that, you know, something horrible could happen on a flight like this. Uh, that was human nature and not necessarily an accident. Uh, the flight itself, as we spoke earlier, had departed Houston, Texas uh, en route to Laredo and had no issues. Uh, so the initial thought was, well, if it made it to Laredo, fine, and now we're heading back to Houston, what would have happened or changed? Was it something that was introduced into the aircraft 
uh, while it was on the ground in Laredo, Texas. The National Transportation Safety Board arrived on scene to con- start conducting its investigation. So the NTSB arrived on scene to investigate the accident. This was an article that was actually posted from the Washington Post on September 12, 1991, so a day following the accident. A twin-engine Continental Express commuter plane en route from Laredo to Houston crashed and burned this morning in a cornfield 59 miles west of Houston. All 14 people on board were killed. Witnesses told investigators they heard an explosion and saw the Embraer 120, a Brazilian-made turboprop, tumble into a field and burn where a pilot co-pilot, flight attendant, and 11 passengers, authorities said. Jose Urgut, an Eagle Lake physician and regional medical examiner for the Federal Aviation Administration, told reporters that victims died suddenly. I could tell you there were no survivors when I got here, said Urgut. One of the first to arrive on the scene, he said the wreckage burned itself out within 45 minutes. Just after the crash, about 10 a.m., Eagle Lake Police Chief Guadalupe Valero said he received a call from a witness and notified all local volunteer fire departments. I thought at first it was a crop duster, he said. Once I got there, once I got there, I contacted the fire departments and told them they didn't have to come. That fast, it had nearly burned itself out. Rice farmer Charlie Lebe, 76 years old, told the Associated Press, He was in the field about two miles from where it landed. I heard a loud explosion. My son said, Look, Daddy, there's a ball of fire. It was just spinning and just coming straight down. Carrie Lebe, another son, told AP that the plane was going round and around. The left hand wing was blown off. It was on fire. Federal investigators cautioned that eyewitness accounts of the crash were contradictory and that no explosion had been confirmed. The crash site is about seven miles from Eagle Lake, population of 3,900, but winding dirt roads to the site make it a 30-minute drive from town. Yellow corn cobs dotted the recently harvested field that were strewn with airplane debris. Gary Eden, a Texas Department of Public Safety officer, said he had counted 50 scattered sites containing airplane parts over a two-mile area. In a roped-off section the size of a football field, the biggest pieces lay in twisted shard heaps. Some bodies thrown from the plane were covered with white sheets. About 100 yards east of the crash site was the left engine, and 100 yards west of the tail section, a federal investigator said. An Atlantic Southeast Airlines Embraer 120 crashed April 5th at Brunswick, Georgia, killing 23 people, including former Senator John Tower, a Democrat of Texas an astronaut, mainly Carter. That plane, nose down on its landing, approached and flew most directly into the ground. There were no reports or fire or explosion before the crash. The National Transportation Safety Board dispatched a team. Sources close to the investigation said the team would inspect engines and propellers for any indication of problems similar to the one found in the April crash. No cause has been determined in the earlier crash, but investigators found worn shaft that could have allowed the propeller to slip inadvertently and to reverse pitch in flight. The Federal Aviation Administration ordered inspections and corrective action after that crash. The FAA spokesman said today that that deadline for completing the inspections was long past. Continental Express President Steve Kliss told reporters in Houston that the plane involved today was three and a half years old and had logged 7,229 hours with no mechanical issues. Continental Express is a commuter line owned by Continental Airlines. So what do we know from this article? Well, we can see there's a lot of speculation, right? We have eyewitness reports that are contradicting each other. We have a previous crash and incident with this aircraft type uh, that had an airworthiness directive issued and supposedly was corrected. Uh, So a lot of speculation, a lot of unknowns. 
One of the interesting things to me, and I say the nonchalantness of just a previous crash, so from September to April, uh, and how far our industry has come with safety standards. Because back then, uh, it was not uncommon to have airliners crash uh, frequently. And I say frequently comparative to today's standard. Um, I'd have to go back and look, but we averaged about every three years, a large-scale accident in the United States uh, commercial aviation sector. The last major crash on U.S. soil, I believe, was Asiana in San Francisco, uh, but because it's not registered in the United States, uh, it's not counted in that total for uh, U.S. carriers and uh, catastrophic accidents. So uh, safety culture has definitely come a long way from when you see, in this case, one Embraer 120 crashing versus... Another one that crashed you know, literally what five months apart from one another. So that's definitely uh, something that I think to be proud of for everybody in this industry. The investigation kicked off at the NTSB, but also criminal investigators. Criminal investigators were on the scene because of the cartel connection. Uh, not unheard of in Laredo, Texas, being a border town, that there is a lot of criminal activity uh, surrounding the areas, uh, especially with the known cartels then potentially doing something like this was not outside the realm of possibility. Uh, the wreckage site was tested for uh, explosive material. Uh, after that concluded that there was no trace amounts of explosive detected, uh, it was ruled out that there was any foul play. So the shift from the NTSB went from that to what we see in any core investigation, right? So we had competing eyewitness reports, you know, one saying that a potential wing had ripped off the aircraft. As we know at the NTSB, right, they go to any crash site. You look for the nose, the tail, the left wing, and the right wing. If you find all four corners at your crash site, well, now you know that the aircraft did not structurally break apart. When they did arrive on this scene, there were pieces of the aircraft missing. As we talked about, the area of the crash site spanned over two miles. So as the investigation of this aircraft happened, it was very interesting uh, for the NTSB ins inspectors. Uh, when they went back and looked at the maintenance logs, they noticed that the horizontal stabilizer had recently been replaced on the aircraft. So it would be both the left and the right. As they went and talked to the maintenance staff, there was a lot of back and forth over exactly how this happened. But what was determined is that the shift change happened while they were working on this aircraft. A supervisor had come in had taken some of the screws off of the right horizontal stabilizer. So in this case, the right horizontal stabilizer actually was missing several of the screws that held it in place. But when the third shift came on to work on the aircraft, they never knew to actually look at that horizontal stabilizer. And so where we end up now is you have people that did not have any ill will or intent towards the aircraft. They were trying to work with each other, trying to help each other. Uh, but they weren't communicating. And when they weren't communicating, uh, the aircraft was signed back off to go into flight. Now, how did it make it from Houston, Texas to Laredo, Texas, without actually having any incidents? The flight in and out of uh, Houston to Laredo was a normal operating flight. But I'm going to read a little bit here from the NTSB report of the flight dialogue. And this would have been going from Laredo back into Houston. And I think it will show a little bit of how this evolved to where the horizontal stabilizer ripped off, which eventually caused the nose down spiral for the aircraft, ultimately resulting in everyone dying on the plane. 
So between the first officer and the pilot, they're having a conversation about getting ATIS, or Automated Terminal Information Service, so getting the weather. From the dialogue back and forth, says, okay, I'll drive you some ATIS, all right. 3010-3010, dinger is me. Followed by, well, I'm back with you. Just came up. It's only 10 minutes old. It's a Golf 25,000 thin scatter, 10 miles, 81 degrees. Winds are 020 at 530, and they're going to bring everybody in on 26 or 27. Okie dokie. All right. Thanks. You betcha. Captured on the right. This next line is interesting. This is a line when we go back to earlier in the podcast where we said they were at flight level 250, and the air traffic controller to sending them down to 9,000 feet. So it says from the first officer, pushing this descent, making like the space shuttle. Uh-huh. Sounds similar to objects flying about in the cockpit. Sounds similar to a human grunt. Sounds similar to the fluctuation in prop RPM. Decrease, then increase. Sounds similar to three warning tones and an oral warning. Oil. Sounds similar to three warning tones. Decrease in prop RPM. Aircraft breakup. Depressurization. An oral warning of high-speed oil. And stall warning clacker. When they decided to go for a high-rated descent to get down to what air traffic control had requested for their arrival into Houston. That increased pressure caused the horizontal stabilizer to rip off of the aircraft. That's because the screws were missing from when maintenance forgot to put them back into the right side of the horizontal stabilizer. This had not happened from Houston to Laredo because they didn't have the high rate of descent. Once the horizontal stabilizer was gone, it pitched the aircraft into a no-straight position which ultimately led into the extreme amount of G-forces that caused the aircraft to basically ripple through the sky, which caused the aircraft to have the right wing rip off, and the fuel started to burn, which looked like an explosion to people on the ground. So what we saw in the NTSB report was basically they were laying blame at the foot of the airline and their policies and procedures and how they handled shift change within their organization how they handed their culture of get the aircraft in quick, get it out. They had a supervisor who was overseeing the staff that was working on the aircraft that started working on the plane itself rather than just remain in the supervisory role. There was an article published in the New York Times stated, airline is faulted in 91 plane crash. Now this was written July 22nd of 1992. A commuter plane that nosedived into a Texas field last year, killing all 14 on board, crashed because 47 screws were missing from the tail's horizontal stabilizer bar. The National Transportation Safety Board ruled that the missing screws were just the tangible evidence of failures by the plane's operator, Continental Express, and the Federal Aviation Administration to oversee proper maintenance at the airline's Houston Intercontinental Hangar, the safety board said. It was clear to the board that Continental could have done a better job of establishing the importance of adhering to procedures and beyond that ensuring that they did, said Susan Collin, the board's acting chairwoman. One board member, John Labor, said the board did not go far enough in assessing blame, saying that Continental Express corporate culture led to the maintenance breakdown. Board voted three to one with Mr. Labor dissenting to accept the report that blames the airline but does not accuse it of promoting an atmosphere that would encourage sloppy maintenance. Continental Express disputed some of the findings. While Continental Express does not fundamentally disagree with the NTSB report, 
probable cause finding a failure or personnel to adhere to prescribed procedures. The airline strongly disagrees with the board's conclusion that management failures and inadequate FAA surveillance contributed to the accident. The airline said in a news release that while Continental Express does not fundamentally disagree with the NTSB's plausible cause, finding failure of personnel to adhere to prescribed procedures, the airline strongly disagrees with the board's conclusion that management failures and inadequate FAA surveillance contributed to the accident. The plane, a twin-engine turboprop Embraer 120, crashed last September 11th near Eagle Lake. Board investigators chronicled the errors and communication lapses that caused the screws to be left off the leading edge of the plane's horizontal stabilizer. The day before the crash, two Continental Express workers replaced the right de-icer boot, a part that prevents buildup of ice, while an inspector removed the screws holding the upper left boot. So this goes back to what we talked about. Not that anybody had any ill intentions, but because there was a breakdown in communication, unfortunately, resulted in this plane crashing. The NTSB report is very lengthy. It would take up probably, I'd say, two to three, four hours for us to get completely into all the details here. So what I'll go into is the executive summary. On September 11, 1991, about 10.03 Central Daylight Time, Continental Express Flight 2574, an Embraer 120 operator, Title 14 of the Code of Federal Relations, Part 135, so flying uh, on-demand charter, not 121 scheduled air service, experienced a structural breakup in flight and crashed in a cornfield near Eagle Lake, Texas. The two flight crew members, one cabin crew member, and 11 passengers aboard the plane were fatally injured. The National Transportation Safety Board determines that the probable cause of this accident was a failure of Continental Express maintenance and inspection personnel to adhere to proper maintenance and quality assurance procedures for the airplane's horizontal stabilizer de-ice boots. That led to the sudden in-flight loss of the partially secured left horizontal stabilizer leading edge and the immediate severe nose down pitch over and breakup of the airplane. Contributing to the cause of this accident was a failure of the Continental Express management to ensure compliance with approved maintenance procedures and the failure of FAA surveillance to detect and verify compliance with approved procedures. The issues in this investigation focused on the responsibilities of the Federal Aviation Administration and aircraft manufacturers and operators to determine the critical items and inspection levels for aircraft systems, the procedures for relying and standardizing maintenance shift turnover information. As a result of this investigation, the Safety Board issued safety recommendations to the Federal Aviation Administration on the feasibility of developing a means to advise flight crews of recent maintenance work on aircraft and the need for reviewing regulation policies and practices for establishing required inspection items with a view towards developing more specific identification of such items. Also, as a result of the investigation, on February 28, 1992, the Safety Board issued a safety recommendation to the Federal Aviation Administration that would enhance both flight standard surveillance of Continental Express and flight standard program guidelines, including the National Aviation Safety Inspection Program. Continental Airlines merged with United Airlines on March 3, 2012. Interesting enough, United Airlines still services Laredo to this day. Our safety culture today is so much further advanced than it was even back in the 1990s. Uh, the fact that we are not seeing catastrophic accidents and, and any sort of a regular basis, uh, it's just a testament to it. But Part of that is learning from mistakes. And Continental Express Flight 2574 
was the most dramatic turning point for safety culture in the United States. Ironically, as we talked about, a little lone flight even in the town of Laredo. NTSB member Dr. John Lauber suggested that the probable cause of the accident included the failure of Continental Express Management to establish a corporate culture which encouraged and enforced adherence to approved maintenance and quality assurance procedures. As we know from the previous comment, he did not vote for the NTSB's report, but because his comment was recorded and a result of that comment, other similar aviation accidents didn't occur because safety culture became a main topic at the U.S. National Summit of Transportation Safety, hosted by the NTSB in 1997. While accidents and incidents are horrific, we never want them to happen. At the very least, it's something we can learn from. When we look at this incident, it really was about people trying to do the right thing, trying to help out fellow coworkers. But what we realized is, in most aviation accidents is in a chain of events rather than a singular incident. The crash of Continental Express Flight 2574 was no different. If the maintenance department would have stuck just to their work order of replacing the left icing boot and not trying to do the right icing boot, we wouldn't have been here. If the supervisor on shift would have stayed supervising and supervising the work rather than going over and trying to replace the right boot on the right leaning edge and removing the screws, we wouldn't be in this incident. If there would have been better pass down, between the people that took the screws off the aircraft and then the next maintenance crew coming in, we wouldn't have had this incident. If we would have had more detailed inspections before the aircraft departed the next morning for the maintenance hangar, we wouldn't have had this incident. If there wasn't a culture of trying to get the aircraft up as fast as possible, we wouldn't have had this incident. With the pilots and the high-rated descent, those things are bound to happen. But it is cause of this, right? They were able to fly a flight successfully from Houston to Laredo with no incident. The fact that they were trying to make an accelerated descent from 25,000 feet down to 9,000 feet caused the aircraft, unfortunately, to lose its right horizontal stabilizer. So while that's probably inevitably going to happen with flight, we're going to come in, we're going to have air traffic controllers ask us to expedite. We expect our aircraft to be operating in top form. Unfortunately, in this case, it was not. As with any accident, we learn and we become better pilots because of it. As we come to an end of our journey through the tragic events of Continental Express Flight 2574, we carry with us the weight and sorrow and the importance of remembrance. This podcast is not only a tribute to the lives lost, but a testament to the resilience of the aviation community and a reminder that safety remains a paramount concern in the skies. But in the darkness of tragedy, there is always a glimmer of hope. The investigation into Flight 2574 has sparked crucial conversations within the aviation industry. It serves as a solemn reminder that, even in the era of technological advances, human vigilance and dedication to safety must never waver. As we conclude this episode, we invite you to tune in next time for more compelling stories and explorations. Until then, we'll see you down the runway.